Welcome back to the Meaningful Success Podcast. My name is Saya, and this is my dad, Wade. And this week, we're going to be talking about a mystery topic that I don't actually know what it is. Dum, 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 dum. My dad <laughs> has that picked out, so he's going to surprise me. But before we get into that, first, dad. Yeah. yeah. What is your weekly win? This kind of goes along the line. A few shows ago, we talked about the fact that I'm going to be taking, or I am actually now on, kind of a creative sabbatical with respect to the books and those types of things, taking extended time just to kind of recharge and reset. That theme kind of carries into a lot of areas of my life, and and one is in my professional career as well. Um, So my weekly win is really that I've been able to identify to take a couple of big projects that have been on my plate off my plate and give it to another individual to carry the ball on that going forward. So that's a real big win. One, because it was really getting to the point where those items were more kind of uh, time drains and and administrative and not really value add. I wasn't bringing, you know, it wasn't really that it was something that I needed to do. It's just something I was doing. And secondly, it frees up that time to focus on those higher priority items. So that for me is a big win. Well, and by the way, we're three days away from being three weeks into your sabbatical. True. So do you have anything to share about how these three weeks have been or have you had a chance to enjoy it at all? Or Actually, yes. I mean, just not having the uh, weight, honestly, more expectations on myself, but things that were that needed to be done, just having the weight of that off of me has allowed me to relax more. My anxiety level and my stress level are both down, which is helpful. Good. I'm still making adjustments, but yeah, that's been a positive thing so far. Good. So what about you? What's your weekly wins? My win for this week is I had uh, a critique of the first chapter and change of my current book done by a professional editor who does stuff with the right one of my writing groups mm-hmm. and she really really liked it and had mostly very positive things to say um that's encouraging and yeah and like just it was just a really encouraging experience and you know just She was saying things that were like, you know, this and this and this are the things I would normally, you know, most often be bringing up as as problems for people or pointing out that they need to do this and that. But you're already doing those things. Excellent. Yeah. So it was it was just overall a really encouraging experience. Very good. So what is today's mystery topic? Well, wouldn't you like to know? So today we're going to be talking about how exciting it is to not know what we're talking about. Actually, I thought we would we would uh, kind of delve into uh, something that came from a movie, the movie Field of Dreams. And everybody's probably seen that movie. But there was that whole phrase in that, if you build it, he will come. The whole concept in that movie is he felt like he needed to go out there and build a ballpark out in the middle of nowhere and that for somehow that was just going to work out and it was going to, I think he thought it was going to you know bring all kinds of success and that kind of stuff. I don't know what he thought was going to be coming, but that phrase or that mentality to some degree weaves into our creative efforts and our business efforts entrepreneurially. Where is the line? And this kind of this kind of dovetails a little bit with it. Last last week we talked about, you know, what the difference is between when we are doing something that's groundbreaking or doing something that's out of touch. This kind of goes a little along the same lines, but from a from a different vantage point, 
how much truth is that in there? I mean, for example, we hear these things about, you know, uh, one hit wonders with musicians or what something like that. So they recorded this music and this song, it got discovered, and then now everybody loved it, and then they kind of blew up and out, of, out of the blue, and now they're this big major success. Recognizing that many of those cases of these quote-unquote one hit wonders had been performing and recording music for years and years before they ever got noticed on one of their songs. But when we think about what we create, whether it's a book, whether it's a, a whether it's a a video, whether it's a movie, whether it's a business, a product, it really doesn't matter. How much weight do you think there is in just the concept of building something that is really unique or standing out that's going to in and of itself attract attention? I mean, I think that sometimes we think we don't even think about what we have to do after the after it's created. We think mostly about creating this thing that we feel is the best thing since sliced bread. And then when it's out there and it's available, we kind of assume Everybody's going to be enthusiastic about it. What is your take on that? So really, you're talking about finding its audience, finding its buyer, finding its, you know, whatever whatever that word would be, depending on the context, right? Right. Like, you know, if you're if you're a painter who wants to sell prints, just putting your painting out there, or if you're a writer, just putting your book out there, or if you're you know, an entrepreneur just putting your product out there without knowing who you're trying to get it in front of and without taking steps to get it in front of those people. Right. But it's even further than that because sometimes, you know, my professional career has been spent in the service space. And so I already have a mindset of, you know, when I write a book or when I write a make a product, I have, I do have in mind who that buyer is, you know, what, what do they look like? What's that for lack of better terms, avatar that describes who that individual is. Yeah. But marketing and selling services is entirely different from marketing and selling products or art, creative works or art. Yeah. And so while I may be, for lack of better terms, a professional expert or specialist in sales and marketing of services, I feel like I'm completely incompetent when it when it comes to making a product known because it's a totally different dynamic cuz my my experience is b2b you know business to business sales this is business to consumer sales you know i know that the first time i my first book that i published about a decade ago when i initially got it out there i i was able to make it people in my little niche aware of that and i did get you know some some traction from that but just when i put that out on amazon it was just like the crickets chirping. I mean, it was like it just was sitting there and sitting there and <laughs> it didn't have much difference than not being on the on the platform because I didn't know how to do that. I guess I just assumed, hey, I've got a great title. I've got a great topic. I've got a great value in, in the things that I've written. I assumed people would be searching for that, but that was kind of putting the onus on them rather than me on how do I reach out to it. It just got me thinking of this whole, if you build it, they will come. I don't think that that is realistic. I mean, when you think about it, what, what comes to mind? The main thing that comes to mind is just the reality of if you don't advertise, you will not sell. Mm -hmm. Period. You know, maybe there's times when there's some sort of a word of mouth cascade that happens that leads to something selling or whatever. But even in the world of like books, independent authors and things like that, like sure, you might have success based on the algorithm, like shows your book on Amazon to some person who word of mouths it and it 
blows up, right? right? That is theoretically possible. But outside of that, which is extremely unlikely, like in one form or another, you're going to have to have quote unquote advertisement. And that could be anything from, oh, me and all my author buddies are cross promoting each other's books, which is advertising. It's, you know, it's a different form, yeah. A different form. Or literally paying for advertisements on like Amazon or something, content marketing. Um, Various kinds of promotion. That's just the case. Like if you're talking about trying to get your product out there or your book out there or whatever it is you're doing, right? Like that's why a lot of artists will get their start by doing art of existing properties and getting like fan art uh, that gets them a following to begin with. Or or people who are musicians will do you know, song covers yeah. of existing songs to get attention to, oh, this person's like a really good musician. And then hopefully people will care enough that they'll also want to listen to their original stuff, right? Well, you know, the funny thing about that is with cover music is an example. I mean, people think about the Beatles and the Beatles were very creative and they were very innovative. And, and the thing about the Beatles as a, as a band is if you listen to them, you know, in their early career, their mid-career, in their late career, their music sounds entirely different. I mean, they, they actually evolved. Whereas there's some bands out there who sound the same on every album, that kind of stuff and whatever. But they, they kind of progressed along the way. But in their first albums, there was a lot of cover songs. Mm -hmm. And they did leverage that to the popular things. But this also translates even into, like, say, the YouTube YouTube world or social media or something like that. But let's just use YouTube as an example. Yeah. I don't know how many YouTube channels there are out there now, but it's got to be staggering. Tens of millions. Yeah. So if, if not hundreds. So, so you're out there and you may have created the best videos imaginable, but yet you're still competing with tens of millions of channels out there. So in those kind of situations, I mean, I, I would imagine in different fronts that the people listening to the program have, have different ways that they weigh into this. Maybe they're a YouTube creator, maybe they're an author, maybe they're a musician, maybe they're a business and they sell a product or, or whatever. What I mean, I know that you spent a long time in the YouTube world. What were some of the battles that you faced in that regard? Because that, that really was to some degree, you create it and hoping people will come. And, and trying to discover things, you know, how did that work then? And with your having been out of that for a while, looking back and looking into it with your knowledge now, I mean, what kind of thoughts or advice would you give people in that regard? It's like you said, I mean, I've been out of that world for a number of years now. Right. And I still, I still heavily consume YouTube. It's still by far my most consumed entertainment platform. Yeah. Um, but as far as being knowledgeable on what actually makes someone more likely to be successful, that information could be outdated. Sure. Um, but at the time, there was a lot of different perspectives on that. It really depended on what the outcome was you were actually aiming for. If your goal was to build an audience versus your goal being to like go viral or whatever, mm. neither of which you have much control over really. Right. Outside of just making really good quality stuff, that's, I mean, that's a baseline requirement pretty mm -hmm. much across the board for, I mean, generally speaking. Right. But even that's not always necessarily true. Sometimes if you just make something that's really bad in an entertaining way, you know, people will latch onto that. 
True. So there is kind of an inherent unpredictability sort of trying to lasso the moon aspect of all of Mm -hmm. this where you think you can see it, but you don't actually know how long that lasso needs to be. And Mm -hmm. maybe you know how long the lasso needs to be, but you're not strong enough to actually throw it that far. Or maybe you can throw it that far and you know how long the lasso needs to be, but you miss, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's all sorts of factors there and it's like well here's this thing that looks really obvious so i mean i i guess i guess the bottom line to answer your question um is i don't really know Mm. not not really i there's times when i used to think i did Mm. but this is something that also applies uh you know in creative and again i'm bringing it back to books because we're writers and blah 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 sure but there's people who will write books based upon almost a formula Mm. and not just in a formula sense of like, oh, here's the plot structure or whatever, but they will look at the online environment of here are the kinds of books that are doing well right now. Here are the sorts of, uh, of tropes that are in those books that people like to read. Mm -hmm. And they will take these things and they will create books around those parameters. So it's like, it's not just, oh, I have this idea for this paranormal romance, right? Mm -hmm. It's, okay, well, I want to write a paranormal romance because that's doing well right now. And people are really into these, this enemies to lovers trope right now, as well as like, oh, you know, lost royalty or something like that. So they'll take those tropes that they know are doing well right now in that genre they know is doing well right now, and they'll build a story out of those building blocks. Right. And so that's that's basically trying to chase trends. And the things on the creative side is based upon trying to be at the right place at the right time, which, you know, is, is, is a, a gamble and a try. There is a, I realize that Putting it in that simple of terms at times could make it sound like, I don't know, looking down on that or derogatory in some form mm. of like, oh, well, that's like just assembling something and it's not really creative or whatever. No, no, no. Like it all is creative. Like, sure. you know, creativity uh, thrives in restriction a lot of times. Mm. So, you know, that's not in no way speaking down about that at all. But I'm just talking about there's a lot of different ways people go about this and a lot of different strategies they'll use. And sometimes those strategies start when they have a finished product and sometimes they start before they ever have even conceived of what it'll be. So putting it in the context of a creator who's who's built something or who's getting ready to launch something. Let's let's take for example you've got your book that you're you're getting ready to put out in the market at, at some point here soon. What do you think are aspects of or components maybe would be better the building blocks of a strategy for getting things noticed, for getting people to be aware, how do you go about that? Because I think that's something that that we all kind of struggle with and look towards. Part of it is knowing the right place to put it out. Like with uh, with Penstripe, my first book, what I'm currently thinking about doing is releasing it through Kindle Vela, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, but I'm not. it's basically a way of releasing serialized stories. And then when a book is completed, you release it like chapter by chapter. And when the book is completed, then you can compile it and sell it as a full book on Amazon. And the advantage of doing it that way is that you're starting out 
theoretically with some people who've been reading it as it goes and who liked Mm. it and are giving feedback and whatever else. That seems like it might be the best choice for this particular book. Okay. What was not the best choice uh, was other platforms I've experimented with over time. Like for this particular story, um, you know, Royal Road wasn't really the best place. It's it's a learning thing. You got to figure out where to even release, where to even look for that audience. What are people looking for? Are people looking for things that are anything like what you're doing? Well, and I think that one of the things that we that I want to emphasize is I think that sometimes we are, you use the example of lassoing the moon. I think sometimes that's, that's the way we look at it. I think we're, we're trying to lasso the galaxy. Yeah. I mean, because we feel like, okay, if we're going to be successful, we have to get really well known by a huge group of people, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, no. you could really be very, very successful just with a few hundred people who really like the types of things you're doing. And they kind of, it kind of slowly builds on that. I mean, yeah. your audience engagement, your audience interest, your audience loyalty or passion towards what you're doing is much more important than the audience size. Would you not agree? I think that there's a a very powerful case to be made that a small, enthusiastic, engaged audience that's like, like you said, here's, here's 300 people. That's not very many in the scale of things. But here's 300 people, and every one of them are going to buy every book you put out. Right. Right. That's actually quite powerful. And that's a that's a very powerful kind of grassroots like word of mouth machine that could potentially lead to something bigger. But it's also like a solid, moderate level of success in and of itself. Well, um, and, and that is something that you can capture. If you had 300 people that were like you described, very engaged and very passionate about it, that you could build a community around yeah. a whole lot easier than, quite frankly, if you had 30,000 followers and only, you know a certain small percentage of that group were consistently engaged in that. Yeah. So I I guess, I mean, this was another one of those kind of, we're kind of just thinking these things out loud to a large extent with, with these concepts, but these are things that, that I'm thinking about. Cause as, as I look at some of the books that will be coming out, as I look at the things that you've got launching and there's other things that, that my family's doing or other friends are doing, it's, you know, what do we need to be about? And I think that for me right now, my mindset is really on how do I fine tune my vision as to who it is? I mean, I may have a broad vision of who might be a good fit for this thing that I'm creating. Yeah. But the better I know them, the better I understand them, the better I can pinpoint that. I'm probably going to be able to place my advertisements, place my promotion, place my social media where it's going to be more accessible. And I will know how to better speak to those individuals as well at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think that for today, I think that wraps up the the core topic. But I am curious, Saya. Yes. What was your weekly favorite? Oh, it's the weekly favorite. Well, I'm going to take over your role today, and I'm going to talk about food that we've cooked. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, This few days ago, Audrey and I made together like a homemade, um, like Mexican food meal of homemade Spanish rice and shredded chicken, tacos and stuff. And we made a lot. So there was a lot of leftovers that 
um, we've been eating for a couple days and, and it was really really good and it was satisfying that it turned out so well so that's my awesome. that's my favorite well the other day when you were cooking you also a different day you were cooking what smelled like cur some kind of curry thing over rice and that smelled really good too yeah and i mean that was a sauce out of a box kind of thing like a yellow curry ah. like mix or whatever but the spanish rice and stuff like audrey made from scratch so that's cool that's yeah. cool what about you king of queens i've watched it many times before but we started watching it again we have the box set you know cds or, or dvds whatever arthur Betamax. arthur makes me laugh every time i watch that show you know jerry stiller and he makes me laugh so we've been starting to watch that again so that's my weekly favorite because i watched a bunch of those recently nice well i think that wraps it up for today everybody thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week The Meaningful Success Podcast is myself, Wade, and my son, Saya. Music is by Daniel Gunderson. Brings back the feeling. Licensed through Epidemic Sound. Uh, if you'd like to leave a, a comment or an idea, or if you have a, uh, something that you would like to share with our program, please go to speakpipe.com slash MSP. Till next week, please tell your friends. We appreciate you listening and hope you have a great day. Life.